What's up guys, how's it going? This is uh, Hiram Morales from Wellness for Jiu Jitsu. Uh, today we have TV personality Randall Scott. Uh, he calls himself King Randall on, uh, on all those things. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Um, I mean, well, originally I'm from Washington, D.C. I've been in Miami for about a year and a half. Um, basically like, you know, chasing my dreams, to be honest with you. Um, I've always been an athlete, played basketball from the age of seven all the way through my collegiate years. Okay. Didn't make it pro. So I had to figure out a way for me like to stay closer to the game as possible. And ultimately, that's how I moved towards more so um, training and sports and performance, but fitness overall. All right. So let's, let's kind of unpack that. That was a lot. That was you covered your whole life story in like two, three sentences there. I'm trying to make so it like, short as I can. Yeah, 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 I get you. <laughs> um, so you... Uh, you obviously been playing basketball all your life. You've been Absolutely. an athlete all your life. Right. Like, so you, you were trying to navigate, like, because you, you tried making it pro and then that didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out. Mm -hmm. how, did that, how did that work out? Like, how far did you get and, um, and stuff like that? I mean, also, I'm going to be honest, like, I had a couple offers where I could have, like, went overseas playing Dubai. Um, but that, that wasn't something that I really wanted, um, okay. especially after the tons of injuries, which really, like, derailed everything. Um, it, was just, it was just time to pivot. You know, um, so getting into fitness, um, I'm sorry, as far as I went, I did play a little semi-pro okay. as far as I got um, after college. Um, and after that, I just find, I had to find a way to pivot because ultimately I stopped playing. Right. I tried to get rid of it completely. And with that spark was a little depression. So it was figuring out a way to keep moving forward. I can imagine that, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, like how long, you, when did you start playing basketball? Um, seven. I think age of seven yeah. I started playing. And so when did you like decide to like, that's it, this ain't going to make it? Like a 25 ish? Um, as far as the side, I never made that decision. Like, I'm still, I'm yeah, still, you in know that what I mean, though? Like, where you were like, all right, it, just, it, just, <laughs> it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't in me to go like NBA. Like, where, 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 where was that? You kind of realize that that's not going to happen. Like, even when I like finally transferred, I, my clock was, um, my D1 clock was up by the time I left um, junior college. So exp explain, explain that to me because I don't know what okay, that is. Okay, so when you, when you play college sports, you have five years to play four in um, the D1 era. So you know, the big schools, UCLA's, or Maryland's, or Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, the top of the top colleges. Exactly, so you only have five years to play, right? And okay. then, so if you get hurt or anything like that, you can use a redshirt year, and that doesn't count against you. Gotcha. Okay, your clock starts as soon as you enroll your freshman year. Okay, okay. when you go down to D2, which I ended up going, um, the rules kind of changed a little bit. I can't remember exactly, I think it's like 12 semesters you get. So you get a little bit longer, but your clock stops. So your D1 clock never stops. The D2 clock stops whenever you go part-time. So that's ways around it, whereas you get to play a little longer. I get you. So like mm -hmm. the D1, they're basically saying, hey, you're, 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 you're at a, the highest, the highest level, so you got five years to, to either make it or break it. Exactly. With D2, it's like you're, you're close to the top of the top, but we're going to give you a little time so you can maybe go semi-pro or some, some so you get a little bit more like cushion like so you can angle yeah, you, off. You do, because you can stop. I mean, it's not even about semi-pro. Like at that point, I still thought I was going to go pro, honestly. Okay. Just not the NBA. Okay. Right? So I went to JUCO first, so I'm already an anomaly. So when I played high school, I only played one year of high school. I didn't play my freshman year. I didn't play my sophomore year. I played springly my junior year when they finally figured out that I was at the school. Okay. And then I played my senior year. So coming out of high school um, in Prince George's County, which is like a super competitive place to play college sport and play basketball, period, um, I had no scholarships. So I had to figure out what to do. So I went to junior college. Mm. 
Okay, so I mean, ultimately, okay. that's a good thing because it, it, it makes you become a dog. Like, nothing's handed to you. Like, you, you, you really dare to get a full scholarship. So, right. going the junior college route, that's where I experienced most of my injuries. So, it took me a little longer to come out of junior college because I wasn't giving up on the dream. Right. When it was time to transfer from junior college to the university, D1 clock's over. At that point, I'm just thinking I'm going overseas. I'm going overseas. I'm going to have a great year. I'm a career overseas. You can play for years overseas and make a ton of money. You know, it's just a grind. It's a, really? It's an absolute grind. You talk about you get overseas, you might be in the league that don't pay that much. But you play that season just to get another season right behind it. Right. So you go from playing a regular basketball season into a summer basketball season. Into the next season. You might play 22 months straight before you get a decent contract. But at that point, you just keep ramping it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other words, you got to, I guess it sounds like you almost got to like show your salt. Like, are you worth actually spending money type of thing or like getting like actual contracts with that type of, that type of, because again, I don't know how that, that works. You hit it right on the nail. And to be honest, since I went to junior college, right. um, I already had that mindset. Because mm. when you're in junior college, you, didn't, you, don't, you don't get your scholarship straight out of high school. You have a different mindset than people who already got it because you have nothing. So now you got to compete against the, the Duke players who are already in school. You, you got to compete against the rest of the world. No one knows who you are. So mm. you go there and you work twice as hard as they do just so you can get just your so you can get your, yeah, Just so you can get your name out just there. Just get your and, foot in the door. Yeah, just, not even your name at that point. You yeah. Just get your foot in the door. Just like Hold the door open. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to go to the university and my mother paid nothing for school. You know what I'm saying? She can't pay for me to go to school. I have to do this. It's a do or die uh, mentality. Nice. You know? So that's something that's developed in junior college. Nice. Like, I'm assuming you kind of use that like kind of dog in you for to, to kind of do where you're at now, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I feel like everything that has come my way, um, it, it looks like absolute luck. But typically the person who works the hardest is the luckiest. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, what's that famous quote? The, you know, luck favors the prepared. Exactly. You know? But it's really like going after it. Like being prepared is one thing, but you can be prepared on, on paper. But when it's time to like execute your goals, it does nothing for you. That's, that's a different trigger point. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? So, yeah. so yeah, you're right. Um, that dog mentality that I developed um, in, in junior college is something that has helped me be successful throughout the rest of my life. Yeah, that's one thing I learned from uh, Sebastian, who played basketball too. Is uh, mm -hmm. He calls it the, the, checks, the checklist life is what he calls it. And he goes, so he's like, I just follow the checklist. He's yeah. like, even if I don't get to it, I just keep rewriting the checklist. It's like whatever the tasks that are due, I just... A, B, C. If I don't get to A, I might do B. If I don't get to B, I might do C. Right. And he goes, and what happens is that if I just keep looking at it, keep looking at it, it's almost like a, like almost like a guilt thing that makes you more accountable. You're holding yourself accountable by just doing the checklist life. Absolutely. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, it's like, nah, it's just, it's just on my, it's on my task to do. It's like, whether I do it now or I do it two days from now or I do it three days from now or I do it a week from now, eventually it's going to get done. It's just a matter of like sticking to it. Right. And he says he gets that from, from playing ball. It's like, called, called non-negotiables. Okay. Okay, like you hear Kobe made it famous, but it's something that you like live by, like since I think every college athlete does that. Really? Um, it's, it's, it's you make that contract with yourself. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it's a difference between loving something and enjoying it. And when you're in your college years, you realize if you love the sport or do you just enjoy it, okay? The people who love it, they have non-negotiables. Mm. No one wants to run five miles, 5 a.m. in the morning, three miles, 5 a.m. in the morning. But you got to do it. 
Right. Nobody wants to train two, three times a day. Nobody wants to do. give up their free time. When everybody else is out partying, you got to go to sleep because you got practice and class in the morning, right? So it's, it's a different mindset that you're coming from when you're playing sports. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and it's crazy how uh, I have a friend of mine who's a professor at, at the, I think it's the University of Arizona. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. I, I, she's a professor. And she was telling me that, that the, the best students are all athletes. They just, they're, they're, every, everyone else is just, she never knows. But the mm-hmm. athletes, whatever athlete, if they play like an organized sport, she knows they're going to show up. She knows they're gonna they're, they're gonna do stuff now. Whether they're they're gonna do well or not is a totally different story. But like, they're they're just they're the ones that just just do the work. They're willing to do the work. So it kind of ties back into that. And it's crazy. Like now, you know, because I'm in the fitness industry. Right. Like you know, and I teach jujitsu kids, and I see that like the like schools now are like reducing like athletics, which to me is is absolutely ludicrous. It's like in my mind, it's like how do you have you're like inhibiting like a kid's uh, potential of like growth into an adult if they don't play some type of organized sport of some sort. Yeah. You know, and that's just the way the new generation is, which is which is why I think we're having all kinds of problems, to be honest with you. Yes. You know, that in combination with some other stuff as well. That's a super unfortunate variable for sure. Um, I mean, because honestly, like sports um, to me is a microcosm of life. You know, you learn so much about everyday life just by going through competitive sports. Yeah. Really competing, understanding that nothing's going to be handed to you. You know, understanding that you have to put the work in, but there are other things that come along with that. Like, you can't just focus on one thing, so now you got to prioritize. You know, that's where you develop the discipline to be able to schedule. You know, those are the things that you learn from playing competitive sports. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different, just a different gear. It's, 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 it's what it is. Is that you? I also feel like you know, like we listen to a lot of like the the, guy, the top guys in masculinity right. that you see on social media now, um, where they say it's like, it doesn't matter how you feel. It's, it's what is it that you have to do? And you just got to do it. Mm. And I feel like sports actually teaches you that when you have that, that grind where you're not only, I never played organized sports where it's like uh, team-oriented sports. Right. So I, that's one thing that I'm missing that I've been learning a little bit from my boy Sebastian is that is, it's a different dynamic when you got multiple players that are just as either as good or if not better than you than being led by somebody else. So it's mm-hmm. like you gotta learn how to not only like motivate yourself, but you also gotta learn how to be a team player. And it's just like two different things. And that's where I feel like I missed out where I didn't play that sports like that. I yeah. felt like I, I have a good grind, but all my, the sports that I've ever done is all individual sports. Okay. You're like team related, but not really. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it for the team, but it's really like, it's make or break just on me. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's a lot of that. It's very similar. So what I would do is like compare the two, right? Right. So jujitsu, right. right? Right. You're in the ring, you got a team of people who trained you. You got your cornermen, your coaches and stuff like that. Right. That's basically how I looked at my teammates coming into practice. I wasn't coming into practice to have fun. I wasn't coming into practice with looking for friends. Even if you were my best friend outside of the court, when we got in the front of those four lines, we're so, not yeah, it's work. Right, it's yeah. work. So iron sharpens iron. So I'm coming in there to impose my dominance. Straight up, and this is at practice. You understand right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I was the best person on the floor. My best friend, 10 times more athletic than I am. You know, right. a couple inches taller, runs faster, jumps higher means nothing. I have to go smack at him just like he's going to go smack at me. So it's very similar. It still has that one-on-one component. 
Right. You just reframed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really thought of it that way. That makes sense to just reframe it so that everybody that's helping you is technically like an active teammate, Absolutely. as if you're playing like um, uh, team sports. Yeah, everybody has their role. Everybody the has their role. Same thing. Everybody yeah. does their job. Just yeah. because they're not in the ring with you, they still are just as important to the, the victory, right? Like right. when you win, they win. Right, right, right. When they right. win, when they do well, you can see it in you, right? right? So it's the same thing. Team sports, individual sports, they're a lot closer than what everybody Yeah, does. yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Is that, is that, is that why you ended up kind of like pivoting and going into the fitness thing was because your life was so much around, surrounded by sports? Yeah, yeah, I love sports. Um, still to this day, that's still my, my, my baseline, my staple. My staple is I love to compete. Okay? Right. I still play basketball. When I get on the court, I'm going to go hard. You know what I'm saying? If I'm in shape or if I'm not. But when I was in school, I wasn't properly trained. Okay, so I used to get hurt from the craziest things. One time I dunked the ball and broke my foot. The most what? simplest things. I, I remember following the guy because uh, one of my best friends at the guy opened, and I tried to follow him so he couldn't score. Right. I was 18, he was a grown man. You know, he was going to dunk it. He pulled my shoulder with him. You know, straight out my side, straight out the socket. Damn. I was, wasn't strong enough to play with him. You know, so when I got older and I had a, a really crazy injury with my leg, that's what ultimately pushed me into fitness. I've always been an athlete, but I can't say I put as much emphasis on being as healthy as I did to actually playing sports. But I had a serious notion where they wanted to amputate my leg. So that pointed to my nutrition and actually being healthy and sleeping the way that I'm supposed Whoa. to and eating correctly, right? So now putting that all together is what really pushed me into fitness. Wow. What, 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 you, you, want to take your, you want to talk about your leg? What, what happened to your it leg? It happened the same way I just explained everything else. I was playing basketball, and what's funny is one of my friends, and a lot of people don't know this, but he does, um, he, he's in Germany right now playing ball. And uh, we used to fight every day. You know what I'm saying? But that's that iron sharpens iron thing. We were yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really, really close friends. Um, he has set it up for me to come work out in Austria okay. like with the team that he was playing on in the NBL. Okay. You know Which is a big league now, right? And he's, I was supposed to come out and just work out for the coaches at the end of the year. So the whole year, I'm just going hard, going to open gyms in D.C., just playing basketball. Basketball's huge there, so you can always play. And I did a, I blocked somebody's shot and landed on his foot, rolled my ankle really bad. Class three sprain. Huge. But I had a laceration on the side. So when I went to the hospital, I didn't really get antibiotics for it. Um, they gave me like painkillers and stuff like that and told me to follow up. Me being an athlete, a young athlete, you know, we kind of think we're invincible. Um, so I've had a thousand sprains. I know how this goes. I'm just going to go through the process, stay off it, you know, go, use my crutches when I walk around. Uh, it hurt so bad that I didn't really notice anything different. When it was time for me to go to the follow-up, like the foot's like totally infected. It's like a really bad thing. Oh, damn. You know, so now I'm like, um, you know, like I talk to you from time to time. I'm like a happy, you know, I, I play it off. You know, I'm blowing right. smoke, talking trash. Um, like, yeah, uh, I mean, it's not like you got cut it off, you know, not, right. still not taking it serious. And he looked me right in my face and said, you know, like, yeah, this is a pretty good chance that we wanted to cut this off. You know, so stone cold like that, and you straight just, like straight wow. to my face, and for whatever reason, I still wasn't taking them seriously. You know, I didn't call my mom, I didn't do none of that. He told me go to the hospital right away. They're gonna admit admit you. I'm calling them ahead, and I meet you there in like an hour and a half. Still not taking it seriously. It took for me to go to the hospital and yeah. see how many people, how they were moving when I got out the car, to realize like I'm not going home. You know, um, honestly, the the infection was all the way up here by the time of the day figured out what was going on so 
you know, immediately, they like, they want to cut my leg off. Luckily, I was stubborn enough to be like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with this leg. Like, I'm not going to cut my leg off. So um, there, there you have it. So what did they have to do? They, what, they dosed you with antibiotics? What, what ended up being getting the infection? I mean, that's part of it. It was septic, which means it was in your bloodstream. Um, yeah, yeah, it was so crazy. That, and then so like- that, Yeah, that not only can, that not only can you lose your leg, but if it's septic in your blood, you can die from that. Oh blood. yeah, for sure. I was, it was attacking me and I had no clue what was happening because I didn't know what the symptoms of the infection was. Right. So like when they started to explain things to me and ask questions, I started to realize like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because I had the sweats, I had the chills, you know, the pain. Like in the middle of the night, I'd wake up totally soaked. Like this infection was attacking my whole body. Wow. I had no clue, you wow. know, like no clue at all. And I really got lucky at the time and when I got there. Um, so, yeah, I, I got antibiotics, but I had the strongest antibiotics you could think of. But I had eight surgeries. After you know, the fact. Yeah, like when I, when I checked into that hospital, I didn't check out. It was a month and a half before I got out that hospital. Yeah, I was I was in there the entire time, so that I had a lot of time to sit there and think to myself. Um, you know, it wow. even got to the point where I was so depressed. Um, you know, being active all your life, and all of a sudden you can't move. That's depression. Immediately, I, I don't even want people to come. I'm making up lies for why you can't come to the hospital. Yeah, visiting hours are, are over now. I'm not answering the phone. I don't, want any, I don't even want anybody here anymore. You know, two three weeks in, they keep moving my dates for surgery because. It's an importance type thing. Um, it's not like you in school and they're gonna do it right away. Nah, now it's like, okay, well, somebody has a heart issue, came up overnight, uh, we gotta take them first, we're gonna move yours back. You know, I haven't eaten all day. You know, so now I got a couple hours to eat and then I gotta do it all over again just to have one surgery. And mind you, I had eight. You understand what I'm saying? And the last one was just to like clean it out and um, like cover it back up, you know, so. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a tough time, low moment in my life. Told me a lot though, so I can't look at it negatively. Yeah, I mean, so that's usually the way it kind of works, man. Something catastrophic happens, and that's when you reflect on life and yeah, everything, and then decide which way you want to go. Yeah. What were you grinning at? Huh? <laughs> you were just smiling at? No, 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 I'm just listening to you. <laughs> like you know, but sometimes you look back on stuff, and it's supposed to be like a bad situation, but now, now I'm looking at like where I am now. It's like, damn, that was kind of dope. Cause like, would I be sitting in this seat right now talking to you if that didn't happen? Probably not. You know, my life, the way that my path has went or my journey has been, I probably wouldn't be in Miami alone. So like me going through these things was like just testaments of my ultimate strength. Um, and basically it just helped create me and build the person that I am now, brick by brick. Brick by brick, excuse me. <laughs> and what, and what went that month that you were sitting in the hospital, I must, yep. I'm assuming you were down and all that, there's, mm -hmm. Something must have changed and you must have turned somehow because you are here now. What, yeah. was it? what was that? Was that like a, a friend, family member, work, basketball? What, what kind of made you turn the corner and go, all right, like I'm out of here. I went through this whole shit. I, I can't imagine like exactly like we, I've been active all my life. And if, if I just decide nothing. Yeah. Yo. And especially how old were you when that happened? Um, I was in my late 20s. Yeah, and so. yeah, you're still relative to that late twenties. Right. You're still young, right? You know what I'm saying. You right. have uh, your your the sense of who you are is very big when you're young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it's very difficult to just go. Hey, by the way, everything you've known all your life, we're just going to turn it off. You're just like what? Like I don't know what to do with myself. Right. Right. You know. So I can't imagine how how. And on top of that, I'm assuming they were giving you a ton of drugs <laughs> while you were in the in the hospital. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it just exacerbates the problem. You're not eating. You're in there. Blah blah blah. But what, what turned the corner there? What, what, 
after that eight, the eight surgeries and all that, what, what changed I, it? Honestly, like even coming out of the hospital, I don't think I still came to grips that I was like sick. You know, it, it was like an extended um, injury until I got out. Getting out of the hospital, um, I'm supposed to be on bed rest for like another month. What? Yeah. Wow. It was bad. I had a pick line in my arm. Like they, they put a line in my arm and like attached to the main artery in my oh, chest. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I got my IVs and stuff like that because they had to move me around so much. So when I got out, I still had that pick line. So a nurse used to have to come to the house and like come clean it up and change it and show me how to do things because eventually I was going to do it on my own. Right. That's what changed me because the first day out, I tried to go to the mall act like I was a normal person. You know, and I went to the mall, I got so sick. Like literally, I got out the car. I crushed to the mall, I walked maybe 10 steps, and I got, I started sweating profusely. Wow. That's the moment when I realized, okay, I got to change. Yeah, Yeah, I am sick. Like, I'm not normal. This isn't like the typical injury where you just fight through it and you gut it out and everything's going to go back to normal. I have to make a change. And that's ultimately like what did it for me. So it's just like really being at my lowest is what made that change. Obviously, I had my mother there um, to like try to keep me in good graces, but honestly, I'm not the best listener. You know, like, especially at that age, I'm going to do what I want to do, you know. So it took for me to have that breakdown in a public spe- uh, setting for me to realize that I, I have to make a change. Yeah. And that's when you decided to do it. What? You left, you decided to shift shift gears off basketball? What, 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 what was the change? I tried to shift gears off basketball, but that didn't work out, obviously, because, like, that's, that's my happy place. You know, like whenever I don't get frustrated or whatever, like I believe that men should have a place where they're able to get out aggression because that's just how we're wired. Yeah. Um, that's the one place I can be as aggressive as possible and get away with it. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. my best friend, he was in the fitness industry. I wasn't. Um, the same guy I was talking about, jump out the gym. You know, okay. like he was a general manager at a club um, and asked me to come, come up there. Why don't you come think about working here? And that's what really made it click because now I'm around a bunch of healthy people healthy people everyone's around at this, at this club everyone's healthy everybody's super fit there's martial artists there. there's a lot of special ops people here up in DC it's like right by the Pentagon so it's, you never know who's in there Marines whatever but everyone's yeah. in great shape and they're working hard and they come in there with their food and sit down and, and I've seen that and that's the culture you know culture is everything and just being around that that's what helped me make the change you know, it's more about health to me than anything. Um, yeah, I, 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 I went through the same kind of a similar like epiphany. And then I was young and I remember I started chasing money. Yeah. And then I, I kind of like lost the, the culture. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's like there's that, that certain thing that where you're around people that make you better because they're on their own process of their discipline style of like, Getting up, training, eating well, the competition, ex-athletes or whatever it may be. And I went into the like, oh, this money, 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 money. And then I forgot about fitness. And that's, it's like I was making money in the fitness industry, but then I was just selling to sell. Right. I, I wasn't selling to, to, for the goal of like, the, I wasn't building enough value to say, okay, this is what the cost is. Yeah, who cares what the cost is? It's really about like, you getting better or you getting your goal or whatever, whatever, whatever the person was in front of me or where instead of going that route, my mind frame was like, how much money can I extract out of this person to get them involved into the gym right. or into the service? And, and 
that's where I kind of made a ton of money, but then I kind of lost a little bit of taste for the, the fitness industry. And I just got a little lost because I went down the membership route. I was yeah. a GM at one point. You know, I was a PT manager and it was just like money, 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 money. But then all of a sudden I got lost where I, I was just selling like dollars. You would look, I would look at people and think dollars instead right, of thinking right. like, how is it that I could genuinely help you? And, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to go independent. I actually changed careers for a little while too. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the worst mistake ever when I changed careers because I just got out of the fitness industry and, and I had to circle back. Right. Um, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, man. When you're around that culture, it, there's, there's nothing like it. I yeah. mean, it's, 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 it's like where I'm at now. It's like the two or three of the guys there, I'm like, damn, like, you're not good. You good, good. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you good, good at your job. You're not just good. Like, damn, I th- I'm usually the guy in the room that's actually good. Like, there's very, very few rooms when it comes to fitness where they're asking, like, technical questions and stuff like that, and I don't know the answer or and or at least know the general idea. And these cats that I'm working with now, like some of them is like, damn, I feel dumb next to you. Like you, yeah. you, you on another level. Super intelligent. Yeah, yeah, super intelligent and yeah. applicable stuff, which yeah. is kind of cool, you know? It's a yeah. little different. And I'm leveling up, which is fantastic. Um, so, th- so that's kind of what happened with your boy at, at, a, at a spot in D.C. You were mm-hmm. working at some spot in D.C. And that's what kind of like slowly shifted your whole mindset. Yeah, once, to- I got, once I got into fitness, I never left. Nice. Never left. Um, you could have done anything, you know, skill-wise. I'm educated. You know, but like, like it's all about passion and love for me. Once I got around like like-minded people, and then people who are better, which you just mentioned, yeah. why would I leave that? You know, and then the dollars come with it. Yeah, you can't leave that. Uh, what people don't understand is that like dollars are going to come. You know, you can't really just think about the money. I know it's hard, but the most successful people are the people who bring value to other people's lives, and that's what we're able to do here in this industry. So if you think about it like that, and you put all of your energy into this craft, like the dollars are going to come. Yeah. You know? So um, that's why I like this industry. I love it. Um, I, I live by it. It's a lifestyle for me. I still wake up like I'm in school. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I'm st- I still train two times a day. The only difference is nobody has to tell me to do it. Right. Right. So I still live the same life that I did when I was in college, that I, that I always wanted or I always dreamed of. I'm just not an NBA. Yeah. Right. So... I'm in the same place you are. I love being around people like you. Know things that I don't know. Because everybody has their own niche. Just like everybody has their own role on the team. Yeah. You know, I don't know combat sports like you do. Right. You get what I'm saying? I'm the, I'm the um, sports performing enhancement guy. I'm jumping over boxes. You get what I'm saying? So when it's time to start talking about hips and stuff like that, I ask you. Yeah. You know, so you can't beat that. You can't yeah. beat this type of culture. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you meet cats like JT that just walks up cold and... Jumps like six feet, <laughs> which ain't right. That's not right. Which, by the way, I didn't know. Did you know? I didn't know that he was an Olympic level uh, track and field guy. Nah, I know he was playing football, but I didn't know he was a track. Yeah, guy. what what actually happened was football the, distracted him from the track and field because he loved football so much. Mm. But he was actually uh, like he excelled at track and field. That he was uh, his thing was long jump. Oh, that's dope. And that's why. They, and when he told me that, I was like, oh, that's why I cold. You could like jump like five feet without even warming up. Right. It's cause he's just, he was the long jump guy. I didn't know right. that. It was, I didn't know he was that level. Cause you know, Cedric talks about him like, you know, he's, you know, the best of the best of the best of the best as, as far as like being, being like a super athlete, you know? Yeah. It's kind of cool to kind of, uh, kind of hear that from him like firsthand, crazy workouts he used to do and, sh- and stuff like that. So how did, uh, how did King Randall come around? 
How did that? Cause now, now you, now you famous. <laughs> now, now you got like the way you got a few thousand followers. Yeah. You've been on TV. Yeah. What's up, bro? You taking that? Look, you look at that smile. You taking it? You taking it on camera? Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? Um, stuff like that, like typically, like um, falls in my lap. Like, like I just said, the um, hardest worker is normally the luckiest, and I just stay true. Um, fitness has given me absolutely everything, and believe it or not. The whole reality TV thing would not have happened if I wasn't a workout junkie. They found me on Instagram. At the time, I used to post videos of me just jumping over boxes with medicine balls or lifting weights or doing push-ups on both. They, they DM me. I talked to them. I still wasn't into it. I have a great circle. So when I tell everybody in my circle about the situation, they tell me, yeah, you got to do that. You know, you're a good talker. Like, you don't say anything out of pocket. You have the personality for it. You need to go ahead and do that. Right. Um, King Randall, um, that actually came from episode two on the show. Um, like that. Wait, wait, wait. Well, tell everybody the show. What is the show? Okay, so I was on a show called Re- show. Ready to Love. Um, um, you can still watch it on TV. Okay. Uh, I was on season six. Okay. Um, season seven just ended. Um, but I was on season six. Um, I did all 14 episodes. Okay. So it's an elimination process. Um, obviously, it's a dating show, you all know. Right. So like, I, so you made it to the last cut. Oh yeah, absolutely. You that guy? Oh yeah, I'm definitely, definitely <laughs> made it to the last, last. Cut. You made it to the last cut. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, it was a crazy, it was a crazy sequence to say the least. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I had multiple connections, um, and the King Randall staple came from episode two. Um, I was talking to a couple women at the time, and then one of them. Deem me King Randall and her soliloquy. And then, it, and then it just kind of, you're like, I kind of like that. And then it turned it, into it, a thing. She made me popular. So I always tell her that I owe her some type of royalties or something. So I, I had no choice but to run with that. So I'm making my stable. So I changed my Instagram to King Randall. Uh, once I started seeing that own network or the network was actually calling me that, like they would make, they'd be on Twitter and they'd be like, let's see what the, what connection the king makes today, or the king this and king that? So I got to stay with it at this uh, point. Yeah, so they were using it too, like as a kind of like a hook, kind of yeah. like a catchy hook. And then mm-hmm. you're like, all right, well that, I'm all right with them calling me king. <laughs> Why not? You know, like I, I could be called worse names, right? Worse things than for that. Real, so, for real, for real. Uh, it works out. Explain the, the process of the TV stuff, man, because it's like I'm, I'm doing this whole thing here, man, and sometimes I feel like, yo, it's, it's, it's so for me, this feels so extra. But it's cool, yeah. and the production value is, is amazing. But yeah. man, the first time the the Gene, my camera guy here, did, mm. came and videotaped me uh, for jujitsu, he came with this harness on his back with this this uh, this ridiculous camera with a light, everything like that. And it was just like, yo, when I was, I, I felt so self conscious. I was like, I literally with the guys with the top jujitsu guys in the world. I'm like, yeah. I asked him like, hey guy, this camera, and I didn't know he hadn't, I hadn't seen the whole setup. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, man, I got, I got a guy coming to record. Do you mind if I record you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then as soon as he showed up, I was like, yo, I felt so, I felt so ridiculous that I was like, yo, I'm sorry. This feels really extra. I hope you don't mind. And everybody was cool with it. But it, like the first time, it, it's like, yo, there's the, the bright lights. They're like 50. There's a sound guy. There's a, there's right. a, there's a live thing. There's the Gene, the camera guy. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was just it was just a lot for me. So I'm, yeah, I'm assuming you because you said well, before we started there was what was it like 40 cats in like one of the um, things? Yeah, production did? production for the show it was about 40 people on on cast for production. Okay. Um, and they split up. It was two teams. So one team would shoot you this day. Another team may shoot you another day. Okay. Right. Um, like it'll be kind of like this setup with all of the lights and everything, but it'll be multiple cameras. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and then they would have got a walk up. So like you would come in on a typical day, you would come in, you acknowledge everybody. As soon as they see you, while you're talking to one producer, somebody's already putting your microphone on. So they're, they're, they're wiring you up for your microphone. Mm, um, to speed up the process. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. everything's on time. Everyone's yeah, yeah. Time. Everyone's got like a specific task and just do that task. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Then they tell you where you're going to be sitting. They tell you exactly what's going to happen. Okay, so look, we're going to go out to the front. We're going to do your walk-up. Okay, so when we do your walk-up, you're going to come in. You're going to ask the uh, waitress this. You're going to sit here. So mm. now you got to process this. Understand what they're telling you to do and still be natural, like this is something that's happening like firsthand. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there, there's a little bit of direction, but it's still kind of like as close as you can to like the you being you type of yeah, thing. Yeah, but it's hard to be you um, when the camera's on you. So like that's something you got to like ultimately have control over your mind and figure out how to trick yourself. Like, all right, cool. The camera's not here. You know, I had to like get rid of the cameras. Like, I had to like the camera is not really here. I'm just going to walk normal. The camera's not here, even though this person is two feet in front of me backpedaling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, true. so it's like, then you leave that camera, and then you go sit down at a table, and then it's big cameras. And it's multiple cameras. Like, it may be yeah. two cameras over here, and then they got to get a wide shot. And the wide shot, they may stop what you said, like we just did, right. and then move all the cameras to the right of you, and then say, okay, this is what you just said. Go from here. And you got to say everything all over again, as close as you can as possible. What? That I didn't know. It's a lot. So, like, the whole process that I just named, just think about that when you got two people. So they got to do my walk-up. They got to do my microphone. You know, they got to tell me what's going to go, have me sit down. Right. And then they got to have the young lady do the exact same thing. The exact same process. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there. And now when we're shooting in public, like at restaurants, they don't shut down the restaurant. No, there's still people who are really out on dates. They're they're having a good time. So now you got, got in the back of your head, you got people... Everyone in this restaurant is looking at you because you you're surrounded by lights. You know, so when I first started the process, I was so frustrated. I was like, oh, this is overwhelming. Luckily, they started in like a group setting for the first thing. It was like a mixer, right? And this is how you make a name for yourself, right? Look at that smile, man. Look at that smile, baby. When you walk into the mixer, like this is when, let's say, okay, on the show, it was 10 men, 10 women. Okay. Right? And this is where you like start to cultivate or make your connections. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they let you in one by one. When I got into my scene, when I got in there, it was, it was already four people there, so I was the fifth one. All right. Okay. I'm trying to process in my head how not to make a mistake. Okay. Now they drive, they put me in the car, they drive me around to the front of the mansion, I get out the truck. Now I'm like, all right, don't fall. You know, let me make sure my clothes is right. You know, I got to do all of this while the camera's filming. You know, right. like, don't make it too obvious. Still look real smooth. You right. know, as you're walking through the mansion, you walk in the house, you walk through the mansion, there's producers everywhere on the side of you, but you don't see them on camera. The hallway was getting longer and longer, bro. <laughs> it was just like, oh, my God. Like, this is, it's like, a, like that dark tunnel is just kind of getting narrowed man. down into nothing. <laughs> and I've never been on camera, like, in this form. Like, playing basketball is different. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, because you, you lost in the game. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. this is, like, specific. You know? So I'm, like, trying to stay cool. And I swear, I said, okay, they told me where, you know, the alcohol was. And I'm not the biggest drinker, but, like, to get on the camera, I did drink a little bit. Yeah, just a so, doctor. So they tell me where the champagne is and what's going on. I'm already made up in my head. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to grab me a champagne glass. And I'm going to walk over to the table where the other ladies and um, gentlemen are. Right. And I'm just going to do that real smooth. Bro, I walked out and grabbed apple cider. 
I already messed up, you know, like immediately, <laughs> immediately messed up. I'm like, oh man, like, you know, so now I'm just like, okay, don't fall. Let me just walk down these stairs, you know, get over to the table, trying not to sweat too much. It's, it's 100 degrees in August. You know, I finally sit down at the table and then I don't even know what to do at this point. Luckily, um, April, my castmate, she's super into fitness. Okay. And she like de-escalated everything from, she kind of made me like calm down. Right. And once she did that, everything was like smooth selling. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I said, it's 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 like anything else. You just gotta learn the process at the very beginning. But it's like uh, I now had that thing with the social media. It took me yeah. a while to kind of get comfortable of like filming myself at the very beginning. I just felt like you feel like super awkward. Yeah, this is just on another. It's on another scale. Which yeah. this feels like a lot to me. But that yeah. I'd probably be having like a like an anxiety attack, man. Because it's like, it's like stage fright. It's like, it's almost, it's almost, even though it's like camera, it's only one person, but yeah. it's, it feels like stage fright. Like yeah. when you go up there and there's like a thousand people standing there and you're like, uh, 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 and you immediately start breaking into a sweat. Yeah. And you don't know, you're fumbling your words and you got to kind of like. So, so what, what ended up turning out of that, the, the ready for love thing? Um, I mean, nothing really. It, didn't, it ended in, what, November. It stopped airing. My season finished okay. like around November. Um, like, I made it to the end with um, Jamala, but, you know, it didn't work out for us. Um, so, I mean, beautiful girl. Um, we just didn't work, so we had to go all separate ways. So, um, right now, you just see me just working on other things until the next opportunity comes around. Yeah. So, you haven't worked. That's right, because you haven't done another TV show yet, right? No, no, no. Absolutely no. not. Um, I watched the last season, um, season seven. I've appeared on um, Fox. I've, I've been on Fox News a couple of times. I've done radio shows. Um, I've done panels to talk about the new season. Um, like all of so I'm still working. I just so kind of explain that a little bit. Like how, how does that work? I'm assuming that I mean you got the show. Yep. And then at the at tail end, it's like now you're doing like kind of promo stuff. Is is it promo uh, stuff? I mean, you do more promo in the beginning, and that's just for the show. Okay. But now it's more like the individual. You get what I'm saying? Okay. It goes from like talking about you like a King Randall on Ready to Love to like just Randall, you know, and you still talk about the show and that might be what they ultimately want you on from, okay. but they always ask you about your actual life. And that's when I'm able to like dig a little deeper, like you're in, talk about things that we're talking about. Right, right. You know, so it, it's, it's a good experience. Um, Fox was weird because it was live, you know, like right. it was live. There's no editing. So that was the first time I did a live show, but... Um, were you were you actually in studio? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah. I flew up to um, DC. Um, I did two shows in one day, so I flew up and I remember it. And I try to like keep my schedule as close as I can as possible. Okay. Um, so I remember getting up super early. I worked out for like a couple hours. I went home. I showered because I forgot clothes, so I had to go back to my to my where I was staying to um, mm -hmm. get dressed instead of doing it at the gym. And then I drove out to Bethesda um, and shot with Fox. And, you know, that took like maybe an hour and a half or whatever, an hour, maybe two. After I left there, uh, I drove down to D.C. Uh -huh. And uh, I wrote with my publicist, um, Carla, let me shout her out. Um, when we got to D.C., I did WHUR with Autumn Joy. So that's the radio station. So Yeah, I'm, I find all this stuff interesting. The, yeah. Now you have a publicist, too. So yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah, is yeah. It, what does a publicist do? Publicist is basically... For people that don't know, because I honestly yeah. don't even know what a publicist does. Your, your publicist is basically in control of, like, maybe your image and your your press. They do everything with your press. So, like, she would be the one that's going to connect with the news stations. Right. Whatever radio stations. And figure out if this is, like, an interview that's 
fits my my personal brand. Whatever your brand is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. does yeah. this fit? You know, your publicist is, per, is probably the person who like releases statements for you. Uh, if you need to clean something up, they do that. They tell you things to say, not to say. You know, but ultimately, I haven't got to that point where she got to tell me I can't say certain things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, that's what publishers well, do. Not yet. Not yet, man. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But you know, knowing me, I don't say too many things out of pocket anyway. You know, like even when I was on the show and you know things go back and forth, I never respond. So I don't really have that issue. So she—that's that, that's that basketball swagger. Bro. That's what that <laughs> is, bro. That's what I'm that basketball back, swagger. Man. I'm real low key. I don't respond to it. Like you know, playing basketball, you've been called absolutely everything. Especially when you're in like the opposing team's arena, you know. That's what I'm so, saying. Like you're like you yeah. so when someone doing something, you're like, yeah, get out of here, bro. Yeah, I, like, like why are you wasting my time? I, we're we're on camera. I, I ain't gonna respond I've to been that. Been called worse, right? <laughs> you know. So like she is, she's doing a good job. She's still working on other things, which I can't, which I can't mention right now. Um, but she's the one who connects to the radio stations, or um, if there's another show or whatever, she connects. She and how, how did you, just because I'm curious, like, because I'm trying to obviously do my version of whatever right. it is you're doing. Like, how, how does that, how does that come to, how does that relationship, like, come to fruition? In other words, like, you said that the, the, the TV people reached out to you because you were yeah. making enough ruckus on, on Instagram through your fitness thing. They're like, right. oh, this guy's got a good look. Right. He's an ex-basketball player. Right. He's, an, he's, a, he's a fitness dude. Right. This might be a good fit for this this whatever that we're doing, right. which is why they reached out to you. Right. Was it the same process with like the publicist? Yeah. So she, in other words, you made enough ruckus on the show and she's like, oh, you know, this guy's likable. I can actually do something with him. Yeah. And a then couple, she reach out, reach out to you. A couple publicists reached out to me. After the show, like you become like you're hot and they always tell you to strike the iron while you're hot. Okay. I can't say that I actually did that because after the show, it took a lot of de decompressing. So I kind of like went silent for a little bit. Luckily, I was popular enough on the show that people were still reaching out to me nice. and I had a couple publicists like reach out to me and I don't know anything about the entertainment industry at this point right you know and they're all talking to me and telling me what they can do for me and then putting a price on it right so I need this much and then we're going to start working on your, your digital press kit whatever it is yeah right whatever you know, the process and, is. and I'm just like man how do I know that you're going to do anything for me Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I already went through a lot of things coming off of the show. So now I'm, like, second-guessing it. And I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to go that route. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, like, me being myself, all these opportunities have come. Like, do I really need to invest in you? And I don't even know if you're going to do anything. And I was like, maybe, maybe I should just keep doing that. Right. Carla. Which, which is exactly the same thought process that I would have. Right. In the beginning, it should be that way. Yeah. You should, like, put all of your energy into, like, being what you want to be. But now, like, things get a little bigger. You need some type of direction. You need somebody that has connections that they can reach out to these people where you can give you the opportunity to speak. So Carla, when she, when she talked to me, she already represents a childhood friend of mine because he's a musician. Mm -hmm. So he called me first and let me know that she was going to call. And then when she called, she laid out everything, like what, her, what she'd seen she can do for me, uh, what she thought I can do, and it all aligned with things that I want to do. You get what I'm saying? And right. she didn't throw a price at me. She didn't do that, you know? She just laid everything out, like, this is what we're gonna do, this is what I wanna do, this is what I need you to do, we're gonna start immediately. I need you to get here by this day, I'll be in touch with you during the week. So that tells me that she got the same mindset that I got. She gonna grind it out just like I'm gonna grind it out. You know, basically when I start doing things, it's gonna be good for her too. You get what I'm saying? And right, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Right, and that's how yeah. it should be. It wasn't a money grab. It's yeah. not a money grab. Like, you know, ultimately it will be in the long run or, or like when things start to like connect, but right then and there, it wasn't. 
you yeah. know, and that's how I knew that like she was the one. You know, she was totally transparent. She was open. She was genuine. She did everything that she said she was going to do. She set up a whole photo shoot for me. Nice. You know, like she she did a, she put a lot of work into to like gain my trust, and, and that meant so much to me. It meant the world for me. Yeah, I've, I've I've come to that myself a little bit now that I'm older. Yep. I realize now like. Uh, Every relationship is a value exchange. I never really looked at it that way. Yeah. Never really looked at it that way. I looked at relationships as like just relationships, like, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister, yep. you're my whatever, yep. you're my friend. But like now I've noticed it's like, it, it's a value exchange. Even with your friends, like you gotta bring f value to them and they gotta bring value to you. If you're at work, it's the same thing. If, 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 it, if it's not an even trade of some sort, like where you're both benefiting, then that relationship is going to fizzle and it's going to disappear. It's funny that you said that. Yeah. I say that all the time. Like, in every relationship, it has to be uh, mutually beneficial. Yeah. You know, both sides. There's no two things that work together where only one side benefits and it survives. Okay? You got trees, you got humans. You know, we give them carbon dioxide, they give us oxygen. That's a relationship. We both benefit from each other. So you hit it right on the nail. Yeah, wow, that's a that's a good little 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 analogy there. <laughs> I, got right? ton, I got a ton of. Hey, yeah, I was about to say, my man. I was like, my man, my man, my man's yeah. been on camera a few times. In case you can't tell, he knows he knows his words right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's cool. So now the publicist is like now doing their thing, and so now now you're on a new path of whatever she's kind of, between the two of you directing on like, hey, we're headed in this direction. Yeah. Uh, do you plan on doing, well, you say you can't talk about too much about it, but do you plan on doing like more TV or what? Sure. Yeah. Now she's open, this is, this is like a stepping stone. It may be um, a change in the path. Right. Okay, the goal stays the same. But just because there is an extra door in this path doesn't mean anything changed. Right. But it, when you open that door, it's like you see new things. Things that you've never even thought of. So, you know what I'm saying? So, so, I, I wasn't so what's the goal? About, I wasn't thinking about TV. So what's the goal? Yeah, I'll tell you a little more about that in the long uh, run. Right. But uh, I will say I definitely am open to doing more photo shooting and more um, reality TV. Uh, maybe not so much dating. I mean, I ain't going to count it out, but I'm open to all of it now. And just a year ago, I wasn't thinking about any of this. Right. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, my goal is really to increase my personal brand. And how that's done or which lane that is, that time will tell. You right. know what I'm saying? So my ultimate goal for myself is to accomplishing everything is to make sure that I am prepared. Okay? Make sure that I am getting up, I am working hard, and I'm staying true to everything that I believe in. Make right. sure I'm watching my podcast that is aligned with what I believe in so right. I can continue to move forward in a positive nature where I'm able to bring value to other people's life. Right. Okay? So right now I'm working on me and let everything else come as it should. So when the opportunity does come, and I know it's going to come, because you got to think that way. When, it, when the opportunity comes, you'll be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning, you know, luck favors the prepared. If you do the work, like, the, all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's lucky. Not really. It's like you didn't realize, like, a year ago, like, I go back to even this, the, the podcast here with this camera setup. I originally met Gene uh, a year and a half ago, maybe, okay. give or take. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Okay. And he wasn't ready, even though he had a mindset of like, hey, this is what we're going to do. But I wasn't ready. But he kept grinding. I kept grinding. And then we somehow linked up and here we are. And now you're sitting here. Last week we had another guy here. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have the ex-MMA fighter, plus right, right, a guy right. that does like private security. So it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, this is as long as you keep going in that direction, like the, the, the pieces will fall in on their own as long as you come with 
I think, with a good heart and just bring as much value as you can because that people are going to be like, oh, this guy's giving so much that I want to give back. And that's really what the goal is, you know, right. is to create that balance is more and more and more you get more. And that's, I think, sometimes, especially like younger people, I think younger, uh, the younger version of myself didn't think like that. You know, I just thought about, I was being selfish, like me, 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 me. But I feel like now, in other words, if, 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 if I work on me, I'm amplifying value to the world. Right. And that value to the world now gets repaid back by value back towards me. Where I didn't think like that before. Before it was more like just all about me, 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 me when I was growing up. Yeah. And now it's more like, yeah, it's still me, 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 but it's me to like amplify my value, whatever, whatever the value is. For me, it's the fitness thing. For me, it's the jujitsu thing. For me, it's, 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 it's branding for myself. And the more value I can give off to the people that follow me, then eventually I'll meet more versions of you. Right. More, more MMA guys. So eventually I want to possibly try to tap into getting like UFC guys to kind of sit down and talk to me. That'll be dope. Right. You know, and at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's a good value exchange. Like, hey man, I give you exposure, we give me exposure, blah, 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 whatever it may be. But it just feels, feels good. But like, like you said, man, you just got to have that goal in the mind and doors may open and close, but as long as that, that long-term goal is there, whatever that is, you right. just got to keep looking at it going, yeah, it's there. Just the path changed a little bit. Absolutely. I had to make a small left turn here. I had to make a U-turn. I had to go around the circle. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing um, with, I guess, success <laughs> or how people, um, how people view success. They think it's a straight line and it's not. It's you know, not. You ultimately rise and you fall and you rise and you fall. Okay, everything is a cycle. Okay, your winning season is going to be short-lived and you will have a losing season. But with a circle, it always comes back around. So if you stay focused and keep grinding the way you're supposed to, you'll be back in that winning seat again. You know what I'm saying? But this time, you come with experience. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, so almost the, the win is, is, is even bigger. Yeah. You're evolving. We yeah. are still evolving creatures. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when you work on yourself, you have to keep that in mind. Understand that you're going to make mistakes. Understand that the, that the goal doesn't change. You got to keep at it. And you got to keep getting better each day. And that's how you become successful in the long run. Yeah, that's another thing that I did that I learned from my boy Sebastian. That uh, and I and he gets it from that the basketball kind of because he was in college six years playing basketball. Right. And he treats regular life seasonally. Mm-hmm. So he every every season he rearranges his house. He rewrites like like something. Energy's changing. Right. We got we to gotta do something different. The energy of the summer is different than the energy of the spring. The energy of the spring is different than the energy of, of winter. And I never noticed that, especially when I was younger. When I was younger, phew, in my mind, it was just an- another day, yeah. day, another day, another day. But now I'm noticing, like, yeah, you're right. It just, it's peaks and valleys. Like, to me, where, where, where I'm working at now, mm-hmm. that was all my winter season. That right. was basically, all right, I got, I got to get to know these people. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out what the process is. I gotta figure out what they're, what they're asking me to sell. I gotta figure out like who I'm, co- who I'm working with. I gotta figure out like what the, the place is at. And now, now that we're in the spring, I'm like, all right, I'm good with. I don't need to learn the process no more. Now I need to figure out how to amplify it. So like literally for this spring, I sat down and go, okay, I need to start prepping for the summer. Right. Like how do I? What, what are the steps I need to take in order for me to prep for the summer? Because I don't need to go through the learning process that I went through with, when I first started working there. Because now that's already kind of done. Right. And that's where it's like I went up a little bit 
finances grew a little bit, uh, now it's falling down. Now I need to reevaluate like what's going on so that boom, I get another peak. And then each peak, like you said, is just like slowly climbing like you know, hopefully year after year. That's really what the goal is down the road eventually. So you touched on two things, all right? All right? So I'm gonna hold relationships over here. All right. Okay, um, the reinvent. So it's not really about like reinventing yourself, it's more about rebranding. Right. So when the season changes, all right, like no successful company stays the same throughout its entirety, throughout its life. You understand what I'm saying? Coca-Cola right. rebrands every five years. Right. So if billion dollar companies are doing that, then you need to do that too, right? Right. You get what I'm saying? So ultimately working where we are now, as life has progressed, it has me here in Miami, I'm around a different crowd and I still listen to these relationships. Okay, these relationships come with mutual beneficial values, right? So you're giving them value, but are you really taking in the value from them? A lot of times it isn't monetary. It might be information or knowledge of things that you um, wouldn't have learned if you weren't around them. And that's what I'm understanding now that I'm here in Miami, that it's not always about paper or um, tan like like things that you can like material things. Yeah, not tangible. Right, not right. tangible. But the words that's coming out of this man's mouth is going to take me a long play. Because I'm listening to people who've become millionaires in a matter of three years. You understand what I'm saying? And listen to him. I understand that he did this in three years and he's only looking to continue his same career path that made him this money for another three years. At the end of this three years, it's going to change into something else. And he already has his mindset on what he's going to do next because every lane closes. Ooh. You know, but there's always a merge. Right. And you just got to merge into the next business with that same grind, nose down, hard hat tenacity with everything. And yeah. that's that cycle that I just spoke about. Yeah, I, I think of when you say that, I think of uh, this content creator called Alex Ramosi. Okay. That, uh, he talks about one of his company mantras or his staff mantras is do the boring work. And that's, that's like, it's a hard pill to swallow. But like yeah. there's stuff that like, and it it's, uh, goes back to what I was saying about the, t the, check the checklist life. Right. It's like one of those is where like, if it's on the checklist, you just got to do the checklist, even though you may look at it and be like, ah, oh, this is boring. But you got to do the boring work. Non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable, yeah. You just got to do it, whether it's today, later this evening, tomorrow, something along those lines where you, no matter what, it's going to get done. Yeah. Um, and it's just do the boring work. And then all of a sudden you get a little, you get that little dopamine high, like when you complete it, you're like, yeah, I, I finished that task. And then all of a sudden you don't realize it. By the end of the month, you completed like 10 tasks. Instead of just like leaving that the, the boring work and it grows into this ugly monster in the corner because you just decided not to do it. Yeah. So yeah, man, that's great that you're around that. I'm around that. I'm, I'm. A, I, it's cool to be around that. That's one thing that I that I that I love about personal training is that, you know, obviously it's not it's not the cheapest thing to do. Right. So people, the people that are doing it are investing in themselves. Right. And you got to be a particular income bracket in order for for you to be consistently working with a trainer, and you get to talk to people and you see how their mindset is and, and how they look at money and how they look at relationships and how they, you know, how they move and they, they just move different. It's like a totally different animal. They just, they just view things differently. Right. And it's, it's uh, almost difficult to understand how they move until you really get to know the person and then you're just like, and if you're just observing, you're like, oh, this person moves completely different. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you start viewing everybody else differently. You're like, yeah, you don't move the same like this guy over here. Right. And this guy, this guy's like a multimillionaire in like right. under five years. And you don't do bad, 
but you ain't that guy. Like what? And you and, and what? What you notice? What he was telling you is a little bit more visible mm-hmm. because you're able to kind of see the difference between that person and someone that's not. I've, I've I would say like I have learned to um, put everybody in their own category, and I, I come into every relationship like blank. I don't know anything about this person. It's a it's a blank canvas. And being in our industry where we're supposed to be ultimately here to help. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, um, you're not successful until you bring value into other people's lives. I keep that in mind. Um, how can you bring value to someone else's life without listening to them? You understand? And, mm. and how are you able to listen to a person without cultivating a relationship? Like you gotta build that rapport, correct? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, that's how I come into every day. Like I look to talk to like two to three people if it's, if it's in the gym or it's outside the gym. If it's just a hello or maybe the conversation goes a little deeper. If I get you to talk a little more and go a little deeper, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen. And then I ask questions based on the things that you've said that lets me continue the conversation even more and more. And that, that way I'm able to like get a lot more information. Yeah, but that's, that's, a, that's a skill that I feel has been uh, lost with the newest generation, man. Yeah. You know, we talk, I was talking to a few people. It's lost a little bit. People don't know how to socialize no more. It's weird. Like the new generation is like there's uh, they, they just don't they just don't have the social skills that that, that nope, they have. No, but you got to figure out how to like trigger that. Okay, as a man, okay, how can we get a man to like start socializing a little more? Like, what what do all men like? The rawness of it. All men money, like money, money and girls, unless okay, unless they unless got money, we got women. So somebody's going to want to learn how to talk money and their finances. He's going to have to learn how to talk and build relationships doing that. Then you have most men who love women. Like you got to have some moxie to talk to women, right? Yeah. You have to have some swag. You got the ability to actively listen. So either way, you have to be, you're going to be able to teach these skills. You understand what I'm saying? It's just about relating to them enough to figure out what is their emotional trigger. And that's how you get, that's how we're going to get the new generation, um, the ability to socialize a little more. I hope so, man. Because uh, uh, I got a kid, man, and he's, uh, he's 14. That's one of the things that I worry about for him, but on the real. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, uh, he spends a lot of time with his, his mom. Okay. Which, his mom's a good mom. Yep. But he doesn't have the, he, her and I, unfortunately, we've had, like, a, a tumultuous relationship. So I'm not in his, his life as much as I would like to be. Okay. And I can kind of see it that he's missing that like masculine energy mm-hmm. that he's like, even though he's old enough to be, you know, he's a teenager, right. but he's almost still kind of stuck in like kind of little kid land a little bit, okay. even though he's 14. So I, I can see that he has like the new generational kind of like doesn't know how to move, doesn't know how to talk as much. And, it, and it's, it's, I hope that the social media and I hope people like you, mm. hopefully I can influence it down the road where basically I feel like the, the current generation of men don't have strong enough masculine energy to like emulate towards. Right. Like, like who can you think of outside of, you know, big boy that got, you know, banned everywhere. I don't even want to say his name just in case it causes a problem for <laughs> me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, like outside of him, like what name, like, like name like one, like one or two other people that have like, Jordan Peterson, maybe. Oh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's but just, there's, there's, but it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a limited digital. amount. Yeah, it's all digital. The problem, it's not it's not as um, like personal as it was when we were growing up. It's all digital. So especially since like you know the new the new generation and it's no slight to them because they are pure geniuses. 
Uh, but it's all digital for them, so they're on YouTube most of the time. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's like guiding people to look at their appropriate things, like not criticize how they move or criticize their lifestyle. Instead, we need to like, use their lifestyle to incorporate the values that we got from doing the things that we did the same way. You get what I'm saying? It's I all about... 100% get what you're saying. That's yeah. amazing. So in other, in other words, you're not trying to... You're not trying to say, hey, this is how we did it. You got to do it like that. It's more like, how is it that you're doing? Let me show you the way we did it in your view, your channel, however you consume information. Exactly. It's all yeah. about emotional triggers, and you hear me say that all the time because yeah. like, that's how I go into every single conversation. You need to figure out how to motivate a person in the things that they like. Like, what's, What do they like is what's going to motivate them, not what you like. Right, right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, you can get your message across, but you can't get your message across without listening to how they move first. Or, or watching them or I'm just trying to understand what they like to do. And then you need to go into what they like to do to find those qualities. You get what I'm saying? I think that's where people go wrong. We try to shun people into like how they should live instead of enhancing the way that they live already. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And like I said, man, I think uh, I think hopefully people like you, people like me, yeah, and and others that are kinda like put enough content out there and realize exactly all the stuff that you're saying. Everything mm. that you said is a hundred percent. I know that if I was like 18 years old listening to what you just finished saying, is some of that is going to seep into my brain and kind of affect how I move the next generation. I think that's one of the things that like the average guy has lost in the last, I wouldn't say like two, even my generation. I think my generation was like the first generation where that, that in-house masculine essence was like in the house. Mm-hmm. That I feel like men as a norm, we need other men. Yeah. Like we, we need like, you know, like my, my boy Sebastian, he checks me like for certain things that I do and vice versa. It's like the same thing with you. Like if you, if you and I are talking, it's like you're going to make me, you're going to highlight something that's like, yo, why are you doing that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the same thing with like, uh, he, he likes the word the OGs, yeah, yeah. you know, the, you know, it's just true. It's the older cats that they've been there, done that. And um, how do you call it? And <laughs> sorry, sorry, someone was talking to me on camera, threw me off. <laughs> They, they educate you in order for you to kind of handle stuff your, your, your particular way, how they did it, so that they can cookie cut it for yourself. Right. So it's, it's good, man. It's, it's awesome, bro. So you just, you just spoke on a collection, and that's what it, it takes. So we always say, like, that we're losing essence in um, the lifestyle from before, and we're not. We're just speaking it in a different sentence. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is um, everyone used to always say it takes a, a village to raise a child. Right. And they say that is gone, but it's not. You just named it. It takes a collection of people. I can tell you right now, it took a collection of men and women to create who I am today. How many coaches did I have? How many of my mother's friends was I around? You get what I'm saying? That every person that you come into contact with is going to leave something with you if you allow it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> that's a good discussion, man. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime, man. It was good stuff, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, guys. So, how you find the, how do how do we how do we, how does everybody find you? Um, panhandles are um, at King Randall thirty one on Instagram and um, Twitter. Um, I'm Randall Scott on YouTube, and that's that's really it right now. I'll be dropping the website pretty soon, but I'll drop all of that on my social media panhandle so you can find me. Yeah, once you get going, once you once you get the the website up, you'll put, yeah, you'll I'm gonna let everybody know. You can also email me at randysavagetrains at gmail and I will respond to you directly for anything. All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, you you know what's up. If uh, if any of this 
content brought you value, share it, like it, subscribe to it. Uh, you want to give me more love, you can chop it into little pieces and share it as well. Um, and message me if, you, if there's a particular topic you, got, you guys want me to talk about or if there's somebody special that you wanted me to possibly interview. The whole goal is for, us to, for me to bring as much value in the health and wellness area as well as just the lifestyle area. Um, the majority of who I speak to are men, so a lot of masculinity uh, kind of content. And our, my goal is to kind of raise the awareness of be who the best version of yourself is. And my, my goal is to try to help you along with your journey in your life, man. So I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. See you in the next one.